A good day and welcome to episode 73 of the Plus One Player Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Steve, and as always, I am joined by the lore connoisseur himself, Matt Martinez. Hello. And this week, we are joined once again by the outlaw queen, Kate. What's up? How are you guys both doing? The craziest thing about this is this is the first time we've ever actually been in the same room recording a podcast together because it's PAX East weekend. It's been a hell of a weekend. So how have you guys been this entire weekend? What have your just general thoughts been? I'm exhausted, but I had a great time. My back hurts and my ankles and the soles of my feet also hurt. I believe I've walked at least 172 miles the conference center is massive but all that said we've met a lot of really amazing people and seen a lot of really amazing games so yeah and how about you kate um i'm having a fantastic time this is my third pax and it's always amazing to see all of the great games here the great energy from the people who make the games and promote the games so um i'm just really enjoying myself yeah so this was my second pack. So last year, Manny and myself went for the first time. That's actually where we met you, Kate. I know. And um, this year was a little bit different because those fools actually gave us media passes, which is absolutely hilarious. But Steve, we had a great time. We got to talk to some amazing game devs. We got to play some incredible games. And we got to meet some new friends. Um, shout out to the What's Good Games folks because they had their panel and their meet and greet. And again, just like last year, I was able to meet some really cool people at that meet and greet. Hopefully, we get some new friends uh, of the show because of it. Um, honestly, it's been a hell of a weekend. And so this episode, just like last year after PAX East, is going to be a little bit different than we normally do. It's not going to follow the same structure where we have an opening segment, a topic of the podcast, and then we do patch notes. This is going to be 100% a PAX East recap. We're going to talk about all the games we played, all the sights and sounds we saw, some of the panels we, we went to. And of course, some of the amazing cosplayers that we actually came across, which is one of the best parts of these conventions and seeing some of the creations these folks make. We do have to keep the house clean. So as always, follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at plus one player, and that's at plus the number one player. And of course, we have a Facebook, which is facebook.com slash plus one player. So go check out all the social media sites where you can follow along with all of our content that is found on the website, which is plusoneplayer.com. So head on over there for all of our articles and for all the interviews that we'll be posting from PAX East and, of course, every episode of the podcast. Also on the website, you can find links to Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash plusoneplayer. We stream nearly every night of the week. Been a little bit tough this weekend because of PAX East, but we'll be back right at it next week. So head on over to twitch.tv slash plusoneplayer and on the website and the twitter bio you can find a link to the discord community we have a great group of folks so we'd love it if you wanted to join up with us have great conversations about games movies tv all things nerd culture head on over to the discord community unless of course you're racist in which case we flat out do not want to talk with you because you're terrible and after all that if you've enjoyed the content if you enjoyed hanging out in the discord community think of heading on over to patreon.com slash plus one player if you're feeling generous throw us a buck or two because every dollar you give us will go right back to the show to make it be the best it could possibly be we have a great group of supporters and we would love it if you would join that rad group of folks and of course can't finish up housekeeping without mentioning the biggest patreon supporter and that's the sponsor of the show nerdiest brands and 
Since this is a little bit different than our normal episodes, we're going to tell you all about Nerdiest Brands right now. And so if you don't know, Nerdiest Brands is a fantastic website that features products from vendors and designers from around the world, no matter the nerdy fandom. So if you'd like some rad nerdy gear, head on over to nerdiestbrands.com. And that's Nerdius, N-E-R-D-I-O-U-S, brands.com. And with that, the house is clean. So let's just get right into it. PAX East, it's been just a raucous few days. My legs are absolutely shattered. Like Matt said, we've walked no less than 500 miles. And, uh, well, it's it's 500 for sure. I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more for PAX East. So let's just open it up with kind of general thoughts, because as Kate mentioned, this is her third PAX East. This is my second, but Matt, this was your first one. So I'm kind of curious, what, what was your takeaways? Like, what were some of the things that you really enjoyed? Well, some beginner PAX takeaways are that it was massive and there is more than you can ever hope to do in three days or four days or two days or one days, however many like passes you get. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, we were on the floor every single day, and I still feel like there's things, well, I not just feel, I know there's things that I didn't do or see, tons of people I didn't get to talk to. So I guess PAX East just needs to be an entire week <laughs> long. Don't tell that to the game devs, because they're, they're already saying, make it three days again. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I can't imagine talking about, it must be very exhausting on their end, too. And then just from a, like, going to a conference for the first time, it was, I don't know, it was really cool. My favorite part, which I was telling you guys earlier today, too, is just, like, being able to talk to all the indie folks. Mm -hmm. That zone was definitely my favorite, the entire indie zone. I think it should be bigger next year, for sure. Because, like, as a gamer, being able to talk to, like, the actual person that develops a game or the actual person that, like, wrote the music for the game or, like, Mm -hmm. did the art for the game... It's just cool on a different level than, like, walking past the mixer thing and, like, seeing people play Fortnite. Like, right. or Facebook I could just do that on Twitch. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that here. I want to, like, talk to people. So yeah. it was really cool to be able to, like, actually talk to the people that uh, had a hand in building the game um, or managing the community or, you know, whatever role they had in the game. So that, by far, I think was my favorite part. And then lessons learned, bring Advil... Or a leave, uh, and like book a massage too for the yeah, middle of the weekend. It's a good call. Yeah. Is, uh, we should just we should have done Saturday morning massages because of all yes. of this just chaos. But I like how you mentioned the the indie games being your favorite part of it because I'm the same way. I love it. Um, I think PAX East really lends itself more to the indie games just because PAX West. You get more of the AAA games out there because they're starting now to push towards that, you know, September, November, December sort of release time frame. Whereas at PAX East, it's still very early in the year. So there still haven't been too many of those big AAA games that are either announced or they might not be ready to be, yeah. you know, test played. So it really does kind of open up those doors to letting you actually get to experience some of these more unique creations on the indie de- uh, developer side. So, Kate, what were some of your big takeaways and some of your favorite moments this weekend? Um, As always, like you guys said, I really love all of the indie stuff. I think because it is very crowded here and the AAA games always have a huge line. Um, You kind of just find yourself wandering through the indie section and being like, oh, I'll try this. There's no line. It looks somewhat interesting to me. And that's how you kind of find all these, like gems that you probably would never have heard of 
at all. Um, that's always my favorite part of PAX is finding these games that I'm like, I had no idea this existed and this looks incredible. So, um, yeah, that's definitely my favorite part. Always my favorite part. Yeah, so, I mean, both of those, obviously, like, because I feel like we're kind of echoing the same sentiments. Those, those indie games really stand out to us. And I think mostly because it is just this just mixed bag of opportunities of, like, games you could see. Yep. I really feel like from, you know, any booth, like, you go, like, one game down to the next, they're going to be completely different, but they're going to have some cool art styles, some cool concepts. Like we said, we got the chance this week to actually talk to so many of them. We have some interviews lined up that we'll be releasing over the next week or so, so please stay tuned to PlusOnePlayer.com and our YouTube channel, which we're desperately trying to grow. So these interviews will definitely help towards that. But we, we really had the chance to talk to some awesome devs, um, and they, they took the time to, to actually entertain us because they are just passionate about talking about their games that's one of the coolest part of PAX is that all these indie devs they just want to talk to you about their creation because they've spent so much time you know and most of these teams they're like you know three to five people like they're, they're really not big teams so you can tell they put a lot of heart and soul into some of these creations and just the joy in their voice when they're discussing it with you it really just radiates throughout the entire event because you can just feel this positivity just growing as the days go on. Um, so I kind of wanted to shift it over to what were some of your favorite games that we played this weekend? Um, I'll start it off with just my time on Thursday morning because with the, the press pass, we were able to come in from 9 to 10 before the crowd. And so I made a beeline to the Days Gone booth because as everyone who's ever listened to this will know, I've been very much looking forward to Days Gone. And so the fact that they had a demo, I needed to get my hands on that game. And I can already tell you, I'm going to be hooked on it. It's There's a strategy element to it. The horde is very difficult to manage. And I definitely got mauled a couple of times because I wasn't able to get away from them successfully. So there's going to be some strategy elements that I'm looking forward to. The open world feels cool, and it looks absolutely beautiful. Like, that was one of the things that we kind of knew was going to happen because we knew Sony Bend was – they're good at what they do. We know PlayStation 4 is a powerful machine, so you knew you were going to get some quality graphics. But all the player models look fantastic. The voice acting is great. And the story, you know, at first glance, it kind of seemed like a generic one. But the more we've seen with trailers and actually getting to the chance to play this demo – I think the story is going to be a powerful one, and I think that's going to be what kind of sets it aside from some of these other open-world checklist-style games. But also, the setup that they had for their booth was amazing. They had, you know, like, zombie dummies hanging from the entrance, and they actually had real-life actors dressed up as zombies yeah. just constantly, like, jumping out of the fence trying to scare you. So it was, it was a really well-done set up and it was great to finally get my hands on that, and next month can't come fast enough. I can't wait for April 26th because I really just want to play more of that. So what were some of your standout games that you guys played? Well, I'm going to name all indie games, because I <laughs> didn't play any, like, AAA things. <laughs> well, you played this one, actually, and I just watched, Kate, um, was Tunic. Yes. Which I keep saying to anyone who's here, I keep, like, talking about it, but um, you are this, like, little, cute, adventurous fox exploring, like, this lovely, beautiful world very Legend of Zelda-ish and we were talking to one of the uh, folks like managing um, like a few of those indie games uh, and he was telling us that there's like lots tons of like little hidden things that you can find in the game which I really like based on like exploration um, it's top down, you're a little fox you have a little sword um, you're fighting like 
slimes and things as you, <laughs> as you run around and like figuring out the challenges uh, that you need in order to like advance to the next level. Um, the lighting is like unreal. It's yeah. so good. It's like um, and the little environment is like really pretty too. Yeah. But you actually played it, Kate. So sure. what? How, how did it feel to play? Um, it was really fun to play. You def- it felt like there was like a really clear sense of progression just in the demo. Like I started out with no weapons and didn't know what I was doing, and then I got a stick that could like fight little enemies. There were like trees and stuff blocking my path a lot of ways, and then I got a sword that it could chop down the trees, so I got to go back and explore different pathways. So I'm sure there's a lot more of that, especially when he's talking about there being um, a lot of hidden secrets and stuff. I imagine there's a lot of sort of backtracking and incentive to sort of um, go back to areas that once were inaccessible um, that now are. It just it just seemed like a really um, adorable, wholesome sort of uh, dungeon crawler type game you could play on Switch. I think, I think it's coming out for multiple platforms, but it felt like a Switch game to me. Um, and yeah, the, the graphics were really cool. They were like this like geometric style but they also weren't static. So, like, yeah. as I walked through the, the forest, like, the trees moved and everything and reacted to me. So, yeah, it, I think it's um, definitely one to look out for. Yeah, for that one, they said that it comes out, quote-unquote, soon. Mm-hmm. But that it's on PC, Mac, and Xbox. Not Switch? Uh, I'm not initially. Oh, okay. Yeah. There were, like, a lot of indie people I talked to who were like, and maybe Switch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Because okay. they were, like, really into... Uh, I, f- I guess like a lot of people have been asking about is it coming out on Switch, especially like indie games. Gotcha. I I heard from a friend, um, game developer friend, that Switch has really high QC, like much higher than um, Xbox or PlayStation. So there's like a lot more testing and stuff that goes into getting approved to uh, be an independent game on Switch than on some other platforms. So I think that's why a lot of people were saying maybe Switch. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I just learned that today. Oh, wow. Um, and then what else? Other things I really liked. Foundation, which has been actually on my Steam wish list for a while. Um, I got to, we, I think Steve and I talked to the community manager, Ash, there, who was, like, awesome. Yeah. Um, and I got to play it for a little bit. And after playing it and talking to him, I was like, okay, I should definitely buy it. <laughs> like, I should definitely move it <laughs> into my cart and purchase this game. It's like a medieval city builder You can go look at it on Steam. Um, It's there. And, um, yeah, in in sort of the vein of, like, like SimCity and a lot of the modern, like, Mm -hmm. city builders or, like, futuristic city builders, this one's just set in, like, a medieval setting. So um, it's more like you assign people to gather wood and you assign people Mm -hmm. to mine stone and you have, like, a little area that you can build in and then you upgrade your buildings and you can build a whole, like, city and sprawling in in all these hills and stuff and he said that they have like a lot of exciting content coming up he didn't like tell us what that content was but he definitely like dropped hints that um there's like you know they're beefing up the team they had like a pretty large booth too which was like i was like oh so i'm excited to see all the different things that they add to that so that was one i was really impressed with and then i talked to one of the developers of a game called Anew, A-N-E-W. Um, and this is, was in the vein of a Metroid or a Hollow Knight, like an open world explorer, but 
sort of like side scrolly, you know, mm-hmm. very similar to Hollow Knight, I guess. And um, uh, it's a two man team, probably coming out in 2020. But um, I forget if he said both developers or just him. Uh, he worked on Bioshock. He had worked on Uncharted, which are like okay, like solid. This person is the real deal. Yeah, <laughs> like, good work. resume. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's also like vehicles, and and he did all like the sound design and and all the like creative aspects of it. And you're like a, um, you half of the world is gone at the beginning of of the game, and you're shot into space as a baby. Uh, and twenty light years later, I guess you grow up inside a pot or something. You land on a planet, and um, you're you're like exploring it. And so um, there's like lots of uh, you know creatures and stuff that you have to avoid and whatnot. Um, but one cool thing was that there was like a really big sense of scale so like if there was a giant monster with like 40 eyes on the screen like the camera would zoom out mm-hmm. and it would just be like oh like this thing's gigantic and i'm like tiny which i think like you don't see that in hollow knight you don't see that in other games so yeah. it was cool yeah. that um that they were like making that genre their own and then last i played um norman's night in just now literally like 30 minutes ago um and it's about this like old man who finds a uh, or buys a new bowling ball and it's sort of like you like drop uh, drag and drop it and it sort of shoots you in a direction um and you sort of have to like get over obstacles and get through different puzzles and stuff sounds like it would be fairly easy it gets like really hard i was just sitting in a chair like playing this game on on one of the devs phones and i was like oh my god, like, this is, like, doing the same thing over and over again, trying to get through this one area with, like, a few cogs and stuff that you had to avoid. Um, So that got hard really quick, which um, I could see, like, people spending a lot of time with. And that is mobile, so Google Play App Store, and I think also coming to Steam um, as well. So those were, like, the highlight games for me that I played. Mm -hmm. I just talked a lot. So now I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> That's a great transition. So, Kate, what were some of the games that really stuck out to you that you enjoyed? Sure. Um, so I will I will start with a couple of indie games, but I also played some um, bigger games that also look really fun. So um, one of the indie games that just, like, just really caught my eye as I was wandering around um, is called Night Call, and it is a French-developed game, and you play as a taxi driver who is kind of being blackmailed into investigating um, the series of murders in Paris. There's a serial killer on the loose, and you kind of get blackmailed by this corrupt detective into investigating, and so... Murder, I do declare. <laughs> what? But you have to do it with a French accent. <laughs> so you have, you have, like, a certain amount of nights to solve the case... Um, and you pick up fares and you drive them around and not only um, do you have to sort of manage the investigation element by asking the right questions and talking to the people in your cab but you also have to not get fired from your job so you have to, you still have to like have a certain amount of earnings every night that you have to make um, <laughs> you can't run out of gas like you have to stop for gas so there is like multiple um, things you have to juggle just not the mystery but it, it was all sort of black and white um, the soundtrack had a lot of rain and dark music. Like, it just had a very noir feel to it, which really set the tone with, like, the murder mystery and everything. So um, I'm actually really looking forward to that. I think it would be a really fun one to maybe even play on stream. 
like get some people to help me solve the mystery and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, that one looks really cool. Then some of the bigger games that I either played or learned more about, um, Men of Medan. Mm. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which is the new one um, from the same people who made Until Dawn. This time, instead of being in the woods with the crazy killer on the loose, you are on a ghost ship. And so Steve and I both played the demo for that. My demo was a little messed up audio-wise, so I was like a little confused as to what was happening. But I still got the gist and got to the gameplay and everything. So it's very similar to Until Dawn. Again, like the motion capture and the graphics are phenomenal. It's real actors and everything. Um, we were kind of in the demo. You're kind of being like forced at gunpoint by this guy to explore this ghost ship, and it seemed like there were maybe zombies or something going on. And there was like a choice at the end, and Steve and I both made the wrong for sure decision. Yeah. Um, wrong choice. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like just like Until Dawn, you will have probably the opportunity to save everyone get everyone killed somewhere in between one of the things that they did that was very much like until dawn was that like premonition feature where you you know you pick something up and it basically tells you like this is gonna happen at some Mm -hmm. point so you can either do this or not and it'll kind of determine how it goes so with until dawn it was the totem poles you pick up the totem poles and it shows you a little glimpse in the future with this one i don't remember exactly what you picked up i think you just like touched something and it was just basically like oh here it comes and so I, I finished my demo before her, and I obviously made the wrong choice. And then as I walk by Kate, I see her make the choice, and I just go, bad move. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Like, I, obviously, like I'm, a, I'm, as we've talked about, I'm a huge fan of Until Dawn. I love horror games, so Man of Medan, I was so happy that it was here. Because once that was announced, I was very excited for it, so I had a good time with that as well. Yeah, um... And then they didn't have a demo or anything, but I went to the Outer Worlds panel where they did a demo for the audience with uh, the gameplay and everything. So that one, if you're not familiar, is made... The the two leads are the guys who created the original Fallout universe, created the first Fallout game, obviously, and also Fallout New Vegas. So they certainly have an impressive resume. Um, And just, it seemed like a lot of... They were kind of throwing it back to a lot of the elements that people love from games like Fallout New Vegas with like skill checks, um, the ability to persuade or intimidate in conversations. And they they showed us gameplay, they showed us combat. Um, all of that looked really cool. They talked a lot about how they, um, while they're sort of like testing everything, they said they have 13 different sort of personas that they test for. So it could... There's the person that goes in and just shoots everybody, just kills everyone as soon as they get to an area. Then they're going to test it as the person who tries to go the pacifist route and doesn't want to kill people at all. The person who wants to sneak through everything. The person who, um, you know, puts all their points in intelligence and wants to sort of outsmart everyone. So it sounds like there's going to be like a million ways to play this game because they want all they want every path you take to be viable so you can play however you want to play. Um so yeah, it sounds like it sounds super exciting. Um, they they showcased a couple of the companions that I don't think were really in the trailer. It was the first that I'd seen them, and it looks like they'll kind of do their own thing in combat. But you'll be able to sort of command them to use a certain ability. It's probably on like a recharge or something. So it looks like there's like a semi party system, um, and they also have something similar to Vats that they can't call Vats because. 
not Fallout, where um, <laughs> you'll be able to slow time and sort of pick and choose where you want to shoot or whatever. Um, they, they said that's there to sort of help people who maybe aren't as skilled at shooters or aren't as interested in playing a shooter, um, but it's not something you have to use. So I'm already, I was already really excited for Outer Worlds before this weekend, but everything I saw, <laughs> everything I saw just made me like look forward to it even more. Now, did they give you like any semblance of a release window for that? Or was it just kind of like, here's some cool stuff that you can expect, but we're not going to tell you when to expect it? Yeah, so they didn't, they didn't give any sort of date. Um, from what I could tell, they're in alpha stage right now. They did not have any like voice acting for the stuff that we played. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it sounds like they're either yet to record that or yet to edit that. So I wouldn't... I wouldn't expect it anytime super soon, but that being said, like the combat and the graphics and everything looked really polished. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I can't really say exactly when it's coming out, but hopefully within a year or two mm. would just be my guess. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think that's it for me. What about you, Steve? So other than Days Gone, there were, oh man, there's so many games now that I think about it. I'm actually going to go off of what I played this morning and this is going to be a shock to most people because I'm not a cat guy. I don't like cats, but I did play Gato Roboto um, oh, at the, awesome. the Devolver booth, and yeah. it, it was a lot of fun. The writing's funny, and like because it's like <laughs> this guy like talking to this cat. He's like, "Are you really a cat right now?" And the cat just responds every time with "meow." Like that's the whole thing. <laughs> so it's really entertaining. It's all it's all black and white, yeah. and um, it's basically like you start off as being this cat, and you have to get through a quick little level, and then you get the mech suit. And then you can start firing, and then you get a rocket launcher, it, like, boost, and then you actually get, like, this jump spin uh, boost that you can add on to it. Uh, so I got through, like, the first boss battle. It was pretty entertaining. It took me a couple times to, like, figure out the patterns of it, just like kind of every other platformer that we've seen. But I just keep loving how Devolver just, like, will give all these, like, smaller studios the chance to, you know, make these creations and publicize them and be like, look at these, like, fun little games they have. I didn't get a chance to get my hands on my friend Pedro because they only had two playable stations and they were full the entire weekend. So, like, you kind of weigh your options. Like, all right, do I wait in line for, you know, an hour perhaps to try to play 15 minutes or do I go just try to find some other game that I haven't heard of that right. I, I want to learn more about? And so a lot of times we kind of took that approach because I'm sold on my friend Pedro. Like, I don't know about you all, but, like, that game, as soon as it was announced at the Game Awards, it kind of just, like, wrote me in. Uh, it's got this weird style, and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and everything I've seen since has just kind of instilled that belief that it's going to be a solid game. So that I wasn't bummed that I didn't get to play it. There is one I was bummed I didn't get to play, and that's Katana Zero, because watching that, it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, and Matt, you had mentioned it kind of resembles a little bit like the Messenger-esque. And uh, that yeah. was one thing we did get to play. We got to play the, the Picnic Panic DLC that's coming out hopefully June, as uh, you'll you'll hear in the interview we did with Thierry. Uh, so that'll be coming out this week. But the Picnic Panic DLC is amazing because it just takes the Messenger and puts them into, you know, like a tropical vibe. So we got surf rock chiptune music because uh, Rainbow Dragon Eyes, the, the, the gentleman who made the soundtrack for the original, he's back to do the DLC. And Thierry was mentioning it all kind of started as a joke. Like the inspiration for the Picnic Panic was Rainbow Dragon Eyes had mentioned like, he's like, oh, what are you going to make me do like a surf soundtrack? And then that ended up becoming the Picnic Panic DLC. <laughs> But uh, the, it looked the, great. Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. It, it carries the same type of strategy that you need in the original Messenger, and it just gives you that whole new 
kind of vibe and also landscape because it's now taking this ninja and putting him on a surfboard yeah. which is just a wild concept but so look out for that interview again it, it was so great chatting with Terry again because as we had mentioned um, as you'll see in the interview this was like a, a full circle thing for us because as many of you know who listened to the podcast last year uh, Terry was our very first interview so it was cool to catch up with him a year later after all the success the messengers had great to get hands on with the upcoming DLC and it's just as fun as the original game. So those of you who are the Messenger fans, you'll enjoy it for sure. So that was great. We got some time with the Forgotten City, which was fantastic. And basically what that was is they had created a, a Skyrim mod. So they can't actually tell you what mod they created because they're not allowed to. But we can tell you. They said we could. So they had created a, a, like a critically acclaimed Skyrim mod. And then they turned it into Forgotten City, which is basically like this Russian doll time loop mystery game absolutely gorgeous for how early they are in development they still said that you know they're probably about a year away but it was absolutely gorgeous to play i'm very interested because i love those types of like branching narrative elements where it almost reminded me a little bit of um stranger uh no life is strange not stranger things <laughs> different thing entirely but it reminded me a little bit of life is strange where you could kind of reverse time and like redo things to try to make it work the way you wanted it there was one instance where um i went into the main city and i went up to this uh golden guard it looked like and there was an option that popped up and said take bow so i clicked it and that was a bad move because it literally started chaos where that guard started shooting everyone in the city with arrows turning them gold and so it locked him into place they just turned him into statues so the developer comes up nick pierce he came up to me he's like yeah so what's good about this though is now if you go and you grab this medicine normally that would be stealing it and breaking their golden rule which would cause this chaos to happen but because the chaos has already happened you can steal the medicine go back in time come back to this timeline and then heal this woman who's sick and so it it's one of those things where i already know there's going to be so many different layers you can yeah. peel back and it's going to have replay value you're going to want to keep going at it so that was awesome. That was actually, I think, the first game we played this weekend, other than um, me playing Days Gone. So they were great to talk to, awesome folks. So watch out for the Forgotten City. Then we played a little bit of Necrosphere, which is a fun platformer that there's no enemies. It's literally just you trying to get through the different levels and just not getting yourself killed by hitting the various, you know, like flaming balls that we saw. There were a lot of flaming yeah, balls in that game. Spikes. And so the, the premise is the, the guy was dead and the necrosphere is where you go when you die. And he's just basically living this endless loop of living in this necrosphere. But the coolest thing was instead of just going the traditional platformer route where they have, a, you know, use the D-pad or the analog stick and you have jump, there's no jump button. You literally use two buttons. You use the left button on the D-pad to move left. And I was using the switch controller, so I used the A button on the face buttons to move right. And so that's all you do. In order to jump, you actually have to hit the little bubbles that they have and kind of make your way through. So it was challenging, it was frustrating, but there was it was those moments where I knew exactly what I had to do and I kept dying, but I was like, ah, I just need to do this one little thing and I'll get it. So I'm looking forward. That's actually out now, so I'm looking forward to actually getting some more time playing that myself. I enjoyed that one a lot. Um, There's so many other games we played this weekend. So yeah, Man of Medan was so much fun. Um, Destiny Sword, this one. Yeah. Good lord. So Destiny's Sword is an MMORPG, and it's it's very early in development. Like, the, the demo we played, you could tell it was still pretty raw, but they said they're probably about a year, year and a half out from actually getting into, you know, the early access beta type phases. So what it is, is it's, it's typical like every other MMORPG. You, you have different classes, you get your tank, your DPS, your health, everything, so your medic, all that. 
and you're working together to try to beat these bosses and you have to make sure you're working as a team like for instance when we played the demo matt obviously being the mmorpg guy me being the mmorpg noob i was being the tank class so my job was literally when the enemy would look at another person and shoot at them i'd have to taunt the enemy to get the fire over to me and so there are you know defined roles for each but the cool thing is like if someone's not doing what they're supposed to do the characters on your squad they're really the heart and soul of the game because they're actually like talking shit to each other like i think there was one of them who was like mag you're not doing your job but the beauty of it is once you finish your battle you can go in and actually have conversations with every single one of those characters and kind of find out you know what are they feeling you know what are their emotions and there are chances where they could actually suffer from PTSD in the battle because, you know, talking with the developer, he had mentioned he had done a lot of work with veterans and he noticed that in a lot of games we, we deal with, you know, war games, so many first person shooters, you got Battlefield, Call of Duty, they're always dealing with war, but they're never dealing with the other side of it. And so this is actually bringing in those narrative elements where what happens on the battlefield can change how those characters will interact with you and how they'll actually react to future battles. And one thing he mentioned to me that stuck out to me was you can work with these people and try to get them through their emotions, or you can even just cut them loose if you wanted to. If you're like, you know, I don't want the hassle of them on my squad. But if you do that, everyone else on your squad is going to be like, wait a minute, this person's not loyal to me. So like, if I don't do what they say I'm going to do, they're just going to cut me loose. So there's a lot of like different, you know, deeper elements to it that really intrigued me because naturally I love, you know, Detroit Become Human games like that. So I love those narrative branching elements. So Destiny Sword, watch out for that one. God damn, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really interested to find out more about all these characters. Uh, we played Bless Unleashed, which is going to be a free-to-play game. That's an MMORPG that's designed for console, which is different because most of them are designed for, designed for PC. I thought the combat was pretty satisfying. Matt played a little bit of a demo, so do you have any thoughts to add on uh, Bless Unleashed? Well, Bless was is, is an MMO for the PC which I never played. And then this is like the console version of that, so they're porting it over uh, just for Xbox. And it plays a lot, I think, like Black Desert a little bit. And the guy that we talked to said it was more like action RPG, um, which I definitely get from playing it. Not my cup of tea. Yeah. So, you know. See, that <laughs> I don't know what else to say. No, I mean, <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't like playing MMOs on <coughs> consoles to begin okay. with, so I think I'm a little bit biased. Maybe I should have played it. Maybe. I like playing on controller. But it just felt I was. Uh, it felt a little button mashy, which I can I, see that. I understand that uh, some people could see someone playing like World of Warcraft and being like, "Oh, well, that's button mashy. You're like spamming yeah. buttons." Yeah. Yeah, but um, I guess the difference is, is that in World of Warcraft, there's a there's a lot to be uh, there's a lot that you're trying to consider at every moment and what skill that you need to choose um, and what your like skill progression is or sorry yeah what combos. what yeah your yeah. combos and all that thank you I couldn't think of that word whereas this was more like well, I could press X a bunch of times and kill the boss. Um, and yeah, I did have other abilities, but they weren't entirely necessary for me to, you know, like for, for me to progress at all. We did play a single player version of the game, which in the game is an MMO. So you'd be playing online with friends. So, right. you know, you maybe when you play against a boss, everyone is really filling a different role. Everyone really is working off each other. So I guess that's kind of hard for me to say, but 
Yeah, that's that. I thought I thought the graphics looked phenomenal, and yeah, I think I think some of his complaints about the combat were probably more because he was having a single player experience. It sounded like there is like a lot of synergy between the classes, um, especially because I think he was playing a supporting class, um, but by the himself. Priest. Yeah, he played a priest. Um, so I think, I think if you had a full party, um, to me, I think I, it was more appealing to me than it was to Matt. It to me, it's a, I don't have an Xbox. If it were coming out on PS4 and it's free, I would definitely download it. But unfortunately, I don't have an Xbox. So <laughs> yeah, I agree with you in the sense that it was something that definitely would. I think it appeals more towards the people like us who. I guess aren't super into like all the super hardcore MMORPGs. And so, cause I, like, one of the reasons I always mention like Skyrim was my first real intro into the RPG world. And the main reason was because it, it took more of an action adventure approach as opposed to just like strict RPGs that I had, I had been exposed to previously. And so this like bless unleashed, it, it appealed to me a little bit because the combat did look relatively fun for my type of interest. But I, I, I kind of agree that, yeah, I think in order to really get the full feel, we, we would need to actually be in a squad and mm-hmm. doing the MMO right. You know, yeah. we, you got to actually be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. But all in all, I mean, it was fun. It was great talking to Jay-Z as he goes by, which is hilarious because now we can just be like, yeah, we talked to Jay-Z this weekend and just like see the look <laughs> on people's faces. Like, you talked to Jay-Z? Like, yeah, he's great. Great guy. He's making video games. Like, Jay-Z makes video games? So it's going to be fun trying to confuse people with that one. Um, Falcon game. Yes, the Falcon game. So, Falcon Age, it comes out April 9th, and it comes out on PS4 and PSVR. So, you know, you can do PSVR. You can also just do a regular PS4 experience. Good Lord, I loved it. It was just so much fun. Like, it's just so pleasant. And it's like this little... The story is kind of a take on colonization, and you're doing, like, co-op work with your pet Falcon, who sits on your arm and in the demo we saw we got to actually like dress up the falcon and put on like a little top hat and a monocle and you can also like get these little toys like we had a skateboard so you could like watch them do a quick little trick and so in order to heal your falcon you have to pet them and then you also have to make them falcon snacks they like heated falcon snacks that is something to keep in mind folks you get to heat your falcon snacks but it was really just such a joy to play. Um, I, I really enjoyed the artwork, the aesthetic of it. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Journey in the sense that it's, you know, this this shorter story. It's narrative driven, and you know there are enemies that we take over. Like for instance, like we had to kind of clear out this oil refinery in our demo. So there are enemies where that is different than Journey in the sense that Journey was a very isolated experience until you came across online players. This one naturally, you always have your pet falcon, and I can guarantee you. I'm going to spend so much time just hanging out with that Falcon and you can like move it around. You can do like fun Falcon tricks with it. Uh, It's very responsive. So when it kind of goes on its own, you're able to call it back and it it flies right back to you. It's always kind of hovering near you too. So you don't have to worry about like, I was talking to Eka, who is the actual developer behind it. And so I had brought up, so it's not like Red Dead where you can lose your horse like six counties away and just never see it again. It's like, no, yeah, yeah, you'll be able to always call your Falcon back. It's always kind of hanging out with you. And so it really was just a, a delightful game. I'm very much looking forward to it. And it's one of those instances because we, I had mentioned this in my article um, on plusoneplayer.com slash read about the state of play that PlayStation did. And I think it's one of those instances where they are doing such a focus on PSVR and they're are now just countless games that are coming out that are actually really good. Like Astrobot, not only was it acclaimed as a VR game, so many people 
basically called Astrobot one of the best platformers of all time. It wasn't even just, this was a great VR game. This is a fantastic platformer. And so I played the non-VR version of Falcon Age just because, again, that's my comfort zone. So I wanted to make sure I was getting the most out of it for that, you know, small window we had to play the game. But just looking at it and actually getting my hands on it on the non-VR version, it makes me want to play the VR version. I think, like I said in that article, I really think this is going to be finally that year where I bite the bullet and buy a PSVR. Because they, they really are committing to it. And games like this where... It's appealing to all ages. Um, when we got in, we actually kind of, um, they were just finishing up with another gentleman, his name is Steve, who he, he runs a podcast where he's doing like, it's a family games style podcast where he looks to basically look for games that appeal to families and like children. And so basically games that families can connect together with. And so he was playing it and I remember, I remember he had mentioned, he's like, my son is going to love this game. And that's the thing is like, yeah, his son will probably love that game. But I will also love that game, too. And I'm sure... And he loved that game, too. So, you know, right there, there's three different generations of gamers who would all find interest in this. And so, Falcon Age, keep an eye out for it because it is so good. And honestly, it was such a joy talking with that guy. He was such a great individual. He was so forthcoming with information. It was just relaxing. It was like we had known each other for years when literally we met this morning. So, Falcon Age, absolutely loved it. And then today we played Bus Simulator. So, shout out to FaZe, our resident Norwegian simulator expert. Um, I know you've played it, FaZe, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, and right now it's out on Steam, but they said they're they're right now working to get it out on, like, PS4 and Xbox uh-huh. One. And he also mentioned, he's like, uh, Switch, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, like, kind of the theme of the weekend where a lot of people are always looking for the Switch release, but a lot of developers are still trying to get some of them out there. Honestly, Bus Simulator was very entertaining. I'm not a great bus driver. I treated it way too much like Grand Theft Auto. I'm very lucky I didn't run anybody over. But... I think it's actually like a solid time waster game where you're just like because what you can do is you start off as just a bus driver but then you eventually can own your own bus company and you service the entire city so that's kind of a funny concept um so honestly like so many games that we played this weekend have just really been an absolute joy i know yesterday we had some great conversations and we played some fun games um and i know as i wanted to talk to you about this i didn't get a chance to play it because the line was always so big well, how did you like Layers of Fear 2? Because everyone has been talking about that this weekend and naturally love horror games as anybody who's watched our Twitch by now knows. We're big fans of the horror genre, so how did you like Layers of Fear 2? Sure. Um, so I, I just played Layers of Fear 2 today. I demoed it. I will say one of the problems with demoing a horror game in a very crowded convention center is the sound. Yep. Um I had headphones, obviously they were nice headphones and everything, but so much of horror is atmospheric and there were times when I could sort of like hear like a doorknob jiggling or something and I think I would have been a lot more terrified if I were at home playing in a quiet place, that sound would have been amplified, but you know, when you're surrounded by people in a bright convention center and everything, it's it's not quite as scary because it's not just, it's just not quite as immersive, but um i thought it was really really well done the visuals were um really creepy a lot of like red and um like a lot of apples which i'm sure have some significance in the story that we'll find out later um so apparently the plot of this one i think in the first one you were like an artist um and in this one you are an actor and um the director of 
the film that you're in is played by Tony Todd, who is the Candyman in the Candyman films. Mm-hmm. That's his claim to fame. Um, he's a really good actor. And so he's... Wasn't he the... He's the Undertaker he's in Final the, Destination. He's the Undertaker oh, yeah. in Final Destination, yep. So you probably know him, even if the name doesn't sound super familiar, if you like horror movies. So he he's kind of like... He was kind of doing um, the voiceover in the game. Um, I, I didn't really get a sense of the story from the demo. Um, I'm hoping that was just because they didn't want to spoil anything. Because um, when I was playing, it was just sort of walking around. It looked like you were in um, like a luxury ship, like cruise ship or something. There were like portholes and stuff. And I got um, a very PT vibe of repeating sort of the same area over and over but stuff was very different every time and there were like these mannequins that would change positions when you left the room and came back and you know like all of this stuff that was very creepy um so i i do hope that there is more story than what i saw in the demo just because it seemed like a whole lot of just you know you should be sorry for what you've done kind of thing like that just that doesn't really mean anything if we don't have a story but I'm I'm guessing they just didn't want to spoil anything in the demo. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely creepy. I think it would have been even creepier um, if if you're playing at home in the dark with your headphones on. Yeah. You know, like you should be playing horror games. So um, I probably I would love to play it. I might chicken out. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was very impressed with what I played. Off the top of your head, which one was scarier, Layers of Fear Two or Man of Medan? Uh, I would say Layers of Fear too. Yeah, I mean, Man of Medan was was scary as well, but I think um, Layers of Fear two is first person, and Man of Medan was third person. So yeah. it just, I think that first person um, and Layers of Fear two was very clearly like you're having some kind of psychological break, right? Like yeah. you know, you're going through these hallways and they keep changing and there's mannequins moving around and stuff. So it was just. It was a lot. Man of Medan was more grounded in realism, even though there were zombies. But you were still like in a ship. You're not going crazy, like. Yeah. So the visuals weren't like quite as haunting, I would say, from Man of Medan. The one thing I loved about uh, Man of Medan, this was because it's very similar, like you said, because Supermassive Games is the one making it, so naturally it's a very until dawn feeling mm-hmm. game. But I loved how they just really nail the horror cinematic shots like there's like long hallways and you're like coming down the hallway and the camera just slowly peels back and at one time you see like somebody like crawl down a wall it's just like oh yeah it's just like those perfect little horror just little "Eh, there you go you're gonna get scared i don't know if you noticed this maybe you didn't get it there was there was one point where i was walking around this um empty room and there was there was a corpse in the corner that i had seen and everything but like depending on where i walked the quote-unquote camera focus shifted so that my character was out of focus and the corpse was like in the foreground oh god in focus (laughs) yeah and so and when i left i left the room while i was sort of in that um camera shot and as i left the the corpse's head like rotated. Oh, really oh, quickly. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, I yeah. Did see that. I was like, this is really cinematic and also terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I loved it. So you actually played this one, and while you were playing it, Matt and I were actually talking to the developer. Tell us a little bit about Warsaw because naturally, the two Polacks here, you and I, <laughs> where we we have a little soft spot yeah. for you know World War II era Poland. So <laughs> the underdogs, the yeah, ultimate the, underdogs. The ultimate underdogs. 
But we had a great time while you were playing, chatting with the developer. Super nice guy. So how did you enjoy your time with that game? Yeah, so um, Warsaw is another indie game. It is... Um, it is in the turn-based kind of like JRPG style, but it is not a JRPG. Um, it is, I think the whole development team is Polish. Um, and I think you said that they- They're from Warsaw. Yeah. Right, that like the streets and everything are like super accurate to the actual city. Um, so you play as members of the Polish resistance right after the Nazis have invaded in World War II. Um, and obviously you're trying to liberate the city. Um, and it was, it was really cool. Um, the, there's turn-based combat. Um, you had to worry about things like status effects and how much energy each action is going to take per turn. So you have to balance all that kind of stuff that anybody with, familiar with turn-based RPGs would kind of be familiar with. Um, the yeah. art was amazing. I, I thought the art looked really cool. Uh... You have a base of operations that you can go back to, um, and you. The dev told me because one of the things I asked was like, "Are these characters all unique? Do they have? Do we get to interact with them?" And he said, "Yeah, back at the base, you get to talk to them. You kind of get to find out like one guy was a writer and just kind of got caught up in the resistance or whatever. Um, another person was literally like a child and oh jeez, you know." Like just is now fighting in the resistance, so you kind of you get to find out their backstories, you get to find out um, the reasons why they're there, and I think that's also really important because you can permanently lose squad members, so yeah. um, you don't you want to get too attached to people, maybe. That's true. Yeah, so um, I thought it was really cool. You get to send people out on missions, decide um, who you want to send, so you have to kind of strategically build your team, uh, decide what kind of ammunition and weapons you want to send with them um my i like my only complaints about it were like pretty minor and i told the dev that um i thought the map was a little hard to use you couldn't zoom out yeah so um even when you had like a goal it was kind of hard to see like i'm not sure which way i should go because i can't zoom out and see um exactly where i am and he did say they were gonna add that later on um so yeah the only thing that i didn't love that he told me about was that there isn't there aren't boss enemies oh really like he said there are there are tons of different enemies and some are harder than others and yeah. yada 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 but there aren't there isn't like you know a specific um ss officer or something that is like your main antagonist that you can eventually fight as a boss which yeah. to me from a storytelling perspective um that kind of takes away from it a little bit when you don't have an actual named antagonist that you can kind of build up anticipation and have said that catharsis when you fight so that was the only thing that i was a little disappointed in hearing but i mean it still it still looked really great and i definitely want to play it when it comes out awesome and so kind of winding down i guess the the games that stuck out to us um this is another one i didn't get a chance to play dreams but dreams was there uh for ps4 honestly that was one i i didn't want to sit down at a convention to try to play that because with dreams the the, the whole idea of it is like you know you can create your own games then you can play other people's mm-hmm. creations I don't have enough time at a convention sure. center to really commit to what I need to do to, to to enjoy that game. So with that one, I I know I'm I'm very interested in it. So I didn't need to play a demo to kind of get sold on it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to when it comes out, so I can finally dive into all those. But in the same vein as Dreams, we actually played one today. Well, you played one, Matt. It was called the Endless Mission, 
And it was that the PC game where you could go from being in like a challenge to actually just pause it and then go into the modding creation field. And so it was cool to see that now there's more of those games that is basically saying like, hey, we're going to give you the tools to try to become your own developer. Because when we were talking to the the developer, he was mentioning, you know, it's a very overwhelming field to try to jump into. To just be like, hey, I want to try to create a game. And so it's like these folks, they're actually like given the tool. So can you tell us like a little bit of your experience with the Endless Mission? Yeah, that was, uh, there were like two different modes. One where you can play like the creations of folks, um, like a challenge mode. Uh, And then the other mode was the create mode where you actually are in, you know, you're a, a physical person walking around this like hub zone. Uh, and in that hub zone, the developer told us that like there would actually be all other people online also in that hub zone, and the portals to those folks' creations would be there. Yep. And so you would like walk through, and I, I ended up walking through one of the portals to this level that was like a it was a, it was a race with a track and everything, and I was a car. It was basically like a Mario Kart, um, but more futuristic and stuff like that. And then. What you can do is just like pause it and start editing anything in the zone. So like I edited my car to be gigantic um, and it would like show you the code that it would change and you can go in like, you know, change the X value, change Y value, change Z value to like make it gigantic. Um, yeah, it was like kind of crazy. And, um, you know, in the same vein as like, what is it? Mario Maker. Is that the name of that game? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and things like that. I can just imagine people creating like insanely cool things with it he also told us about this woman who noticed like an island like really far away on the map and she made it her mission to get over there (laughs) and then when she realized that it was just sort of like a bug it wasn't supposed to be there she ended up putting easter eggs on it and like (laughs) now that's in the world that someone can go find and explore yeah yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, the, honestly, the big thing that I kind of took away from that is I love the fact that you're now starting to see, like, more of those games. Like, obviously, Dreams is the big, you know, AAA one. It's made by Media Molecule, the same guys who made Little Big Planet. So that one's going to get a lot of attention, but it's cool to see, because we've seen it before with, obviously, Skyrim, Elder Scrolls, the modding community is basically what keeps that game, you know, feeling fresh yeah. after, you know, eight years and eight different iterations of the same game so the mods really help so it's it's fascinating to see that more devs are now opening that door to the general public and like we want to see what you can do with our tools so more power to devs that'll pull that move yeah i i also just want to say in the same vein um with regards to game creation and making your own games like if there's one thing that you can take away from packs it's that you don't need like a studio of 400 people to make an amazing video game. Like yeah. that's like the one big takeaway that we have after walking the floor and meeting all these indie people. I mean, we played like Tunic was made by one guy. We played these amazing games that were made by two or three people. I mean, it's just it like I think some people have an idea in their head that video games have to be made a certain way and are a certain way and that's just you know, come to PAX for a day and that illusion will be completely shattered. So I, I love that with these tools out there, it's like more accessible than ever. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you ever have a dream of making a game, like there's like nothing, your creativity is the limit. There's like nothing stopping you. It's actually great that you brought that up because at 
Paxies this year. We got to go catch up with Josh Jacobs, who those of you who have listened to us and you know followed us for a little a little bit now, you may remember him as he's the creator behind Super Chrome Bullet Purgatory. And so I actually met him at Fig Fest in September, and they're just a two person team. It's him and uh, his. I think it's just his brother. And so they work together on this game, but they're in, you know, two separate states and they are, they have their own full-time jobs. So like, this is all part-time for them. And I remember back at FigFest in September, I had asked him, I was like, well, are you planning on going to PAX East? And he was very unsure at the time. He's like, you know, I hope, I hope we're at a stage where we can do that. And so it was really cool to, you know, you know, six months after the fact, see him again, see the improvements he's made on his game and just kind of hear how that process has been. Because again, like you said, this is a small team. It's a two person team. And they're just working in their part, you know, their spare time to create this just passion project that they have. And to see the the improvements over time, it's just awesome that, you know, you can see that it's working well. So uh, without like a thought in my head, like I can easily say that the Indies are the best part of PAX East yeah. because they're everywhere and they're just so excited to talk to us about their games. They just want people to play them. They want people to experience their passion projects. And it, it kind of goes back to last year when we talked to Terry for the first time because when we're talking to him then it's this crunch where he's like you know we're trying to make this game we have a small team we're worried about you know are we going to run out of money are we going to hit you know the marketing uh, metrics that we need to hit are we going to you know get it on to release on time and so now talking to him this year after the messenger releases gets critical acclaim and it's the the, the 180 on their kind of vibe is amazing because not only is Picnic Panic just a different vibe in general for the messenger because it's this surfing kind of chill beach vibe but you can see that that's like reverb like i guess reverberating throughout the entire sabotage studio because now they're basically like we want to make this as a thank you to everybody who played this game like we want to just give this as a gift to those folks and it's so much more laid back they're not trying to crunch this out they're not trying to worry about deadlines they're going to make it when they make it because it's literally just a thank you it's a free dlc they they got physical copies they made it on the ps4 now so it's cool to see like a year later how some of these folks have kind of transformed and it's the same thing with us too because last year was completely different we were fucking over gaming last year so <laughs> a year a, a year makes a big difference for sure so i guess we're going to kind of move on from the games like there were so many and i like like you said matt earlier you know you, you're just thinking like which ones did i miss because it's just too many to catch all at once even though we've been here for three days but honestly, like to everybody who was here, to all the devs who you know took the time not only to make these creations, but because this is a lot of work for them. This is four straight days of just having to be on constantly. You have so many people coming to see your game. So really, all the credit in the world to all those hardworking individuals. Thank you so much for the games that you make. Thank you so much for engaging with us and actually taking the time to talk to us about your games and not just show us them, not just give us a controller actually explain like where this actually all the thoughts for this the inspiration and the, all the uh, the background came from for these games and giving us the, the all the information that we need to actually play it correctly that's always very helpful so shout out to everybody out there who made pax east what it is because without the devs we're just a bunch of people walking around a convention center so also have to give a huge shout out to liz rianne bear tambo thank you guys so much for coming out with us it was so cool to meet it was for me i was meeting tambo and liz for the first time i live with rianne so i've met her plenty of times and i've already met bear but it was cool to meet tambo and liz for the first time it's been a hell of a weekend so it was 
It was almost like one of our first unofficial meet and greets, I guess you could say, because I know this has been the first time meeting um, for you guys. This, this is the first time you met Rianne's first time you met uh, Bear and Tambo yeah. and Liz. I know you've met Liz before, Matt. So it was awesome. So thank you guys for coming out, hanging out with us all weekend. It's been such a blast to meet you guys. Hopefully Woo. more folks in the Discord. We can meet yes. you guys at some point soon as well. But I think we have talked just about all we can about PAX East because our bodies are caving in on themselves. My legs are on fire. My brain is a puddle of soup. It's it's been a it's been a weekend, folks. So we are going to wind down episode seventy three, and just in case you've realized that the audio quality is a little bit different, again, it's because for the first time ever, we're all in the same room using uh, a sno- a snowball mic sharing it so it's a little bit different than the normal where we're three states away all using our own audio so thanks for sticking with us if the audio is not exactly what it normally is but it's actually for a good reason because we're actually all hanging out in the same room for the first time ever and to everybody who we met this weekend at pax east so if you're listening to us for the very first time because you met us and you (laughs) listened to us gush about a year and a half worth of work on plus one player and you took our business card and you decided to actually check us out we thank you thank you thank you so much for actually trying to become part of the community and for listening to us so if you're a new friend of the podcast we were so happy to meet you guys this weekend and we hope you stick around we hope that this is enough to you know keep you interested in future episodes but it is time to wind down episode 73 so if you've enjoyed this or any other episode please go on whatever podcast service that you listen to us on and give us a review like us subscribe to us give us a rating it goes a long way and we appreciate the support and of course if you've enjoyed this episode or anything else we produce head on over to patreon.com slash plus one player and if you're feeling generous throw us a buck or two because every single dollar you give us like i said at the start of the show will go right back to make it be the best podcast it could possibly be so go on and join that rad group of Patreon supporters that we love so much. We wind down episode 73. We hope that you have enjoyed this as much as we've enjoyed making it for you. And to everybody at PAX East, thank you for a hell of a weekend. To all of the awesome Discord community members who joined us, we love you. And as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you. And we'll talk to you all very soon. 